As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Welcome, everyone. My name is Tim Hanner, and I'm very honored to be serving today as a guest host for this week's Talent Magnet Institute podcast episode. This is a very special episode, mm-hmm. just moving past the one-year anniversary of these podcasts. It's very special because we're going to be flipping the mic today, and our guest today is someone that many of you know, but you're going to learn a whole lot more about today, and that's Mike Sipple Jr. Mm-hmm. And Mike, Welcome. Thank you, Tim. A little bit about me. I I was on this podcast a little over a year ago and was honored to be one of your first, if not your first guest. Tim, I don't think I ever told you that you were my first guest, but you were (laughs) the first one behind the mic. So thank you for taking me up on the invitation. So that's why I'm honored to be able to have this opportunity today. I know I approached you about this and because I've listened to these podcasts and it's such a service, if you will, to this community. And But I think Today, this is really about you. For those of you who do not know me, I'm uh, right now serving as the Senior Director of Navigo for Children, Inc., nonprofits here in Northern Kentucky, where we do college and career prep service within an incredible organization that's been around for 40 years uh, with Children, Inc., former superintendent of Kenton County Schools, and soon to be retired. Mm. So um, down the back stretch of this portion of my career. But today is about you, Mr. Sipple. So I do want to introduce the audience to Mike Sipple Jr. Many of you may not know Mike as well as some of us, and I hope to shed some light on him for you. Some of you may know him from the host of these podcasts, others for his community activism, others from All Pro Dads, and so on. But I suggested flipping the mic today so others could learn about you, Mike, a man I've come to know and admire and respect. Because I think you walk the walk as a servant leader in our community, as well as anyone I've, to be honest with you, met here in Northern Kentucky. You're a Renaissance man. I want our listeners to listen to this. Mike's not only the host of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast, but he's also president of Centennial, CEO and founder of the Talent Magnet Institute, co-founder of Impact Cowork, chairman of the board at the Metropolitan Club. On the board of advisors for the Garing Center, board of advisors for the Northern Kentucky Education Council, a, a group that's near and dear to my heart for years, steering committee for the Horizon Community Accelerator, board of directors for the African American Chamber of Commerce, regional captain, and an all pro dad. Mike is probably on so many other committees and boards that I've not referenced here today, but he also has this global podcast that he hosts every week. Mike's been honored, I know, because I've been at ceremonies where you've been honored for your roles for a variety of reasons. And folks, this is the Mike Sipple Jr. I serve with in our community. And well, first of all, Mike, welcome. (laughs) And I admire all that you're involved in for our community. And we're going to come back to some of those and talk to some of those. But first of all, tell everyone about yourself, your family, your life at the current time, and we're in this beautiful new 
facility that I can see it beaming all yeah. over your face. Yeah. yeah. But start by talking to us and telling us about you. Sure. So, Tim, thank you for the introduction and this opportunity and the invitation that you laid out several months ago to do this episode. So I am born and raised here in Covington, Kentucky. My family's from Northern Kentucky. My grandparents are from, so my dad's family is from Grant County. And I grew up in a family where my parents, my mom and dad, actually grew up on the same street on Philadelphia Street. But one was at the ninth block and one was at the sixth block. And they didn't know each other until high school. Wow. So just in terms of community, puts perspective to me, like how close are you, but yet how far away. So my mom and dad grew up very different. My dad grew up in a very, what you would consider privileged, hardworking family. My mom grew up in a very abusive, alcohol-driven family. And I think that even lays into some of my personal work in the community with all pro dads and education in public schools. Right. One of the big reasons why I'm so passionate. I have two older sisters, Tracy and Amy. And uh, Tracy lives out in Los Angeles. Amy lives in Covington. Parents still live in Latonia. They're both still living. I met my high school sweetheart. We actually met when I was in seventh grade. She was in ninth grade in marching band at Holmes High School. Yeah. And we didn't start dating until she was a senior and I was a sophomore at Holmes and have the very good fortune of having an amazing family on Amber's side of the family. And our families all went to Holmes High School. So yeah. both her mom and dad's siblings, my mom and dad's siblings all went to Holmes. And as we say, we're proud products of Covington. Grew up, have always been a hard worker, you know, have learned from my grandfather that if you got energy, that God's given you energy, use it and give a little bit more than everyone else around you. And I remember a quote that my grandpa used to say, that everything comes to he who waiteth, as long as he who waiteth works like crazy to get what they mm. think they can go after. Like that. And anyway, grew up, and my parents always had a business. Centennial, my dad celebrated his 44th year in this business. And I never quite knew privilege that I was under when I was a young child because my parents never made it feel that way. Yeah, They were always there and always connected to our friends and our friends' parents and our friends' grandparents and really went to work at Centennial to pay for my schooling at Cincinnati State for landscaping and turf grass management. Really? I didn't know um, that. Yes. And had a mentor of mine who still meets with my dad every Wednesday morning. His name's Walt Mole who really encouraged my dad to think about me for the business, the actual business of recruiting and executive search. And here I am 18 plus years later and never looked back. Still in love, still love landscaping, still love a great fresh cut grass yeah. and the smell of mulch and all those crazy you things. That, it's therapeutic, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> yeah. So here I am. And my wife and I got married when she graduated college. We have three amazing children, Jacob, Abby, and Ethan, 11, 9, and 7 at the time of this recording. <laughs> and very, all three very active. We're blessed every day to have healthy kids. And we work every day to make sure they understand how blessed they are to be healthy and to be raised by two parents that love them and how we can serve the community around us. I've seen both you and your wife with your kids out and about and through social media and so on. And you can tell that's really a, not only a source of pride, but it feeds you, if you mm -hmm. will. So Absolutely. Uh, when we were prepping for today, you said to me, God gave me a lot of energy. I think it's evident mm -hmm. in what I said earlier. How do you maintain that energy, that strength, and what feeds you? Yeah. So, you know, I do have, I'm very faith forward. 
I'm blessed to know that God loves me and that I'm called to live the gospel in the marketplace and have always had a calling for that, right? Not to go into ministry, but let's be in the world. Let's love people well. And honestly, it's part of my extroverted nature. God designed that too. You know, I love people. I love learning about people. I love understanding differences and similarities. And to be frank, it's also what led me to really fall in love with my career, that that's what we do. I mean, we get to help people. We get to serve people. We get to listen to people, understand people. So that being around people and having really good friends who hold me accountable as well, both really feed me, give me energy. Certainly the blessing that I have to have a wife who loves me dearly and who, you know, as I always say, she's there when I need a kick in the pants and she's also there to pick me up and encourage me. And a team at Centennial, we have an amazing team of people who I just love coming to work every day. Right. And whether it's in my workplace or it's in the community with things that I do, you know, I learned a long time ago from being on boards that I really didn't feel as connected to, to serve in areas that you feel connected to because it brings out your energy and then it puts you in a room of people who also have that same belief and philosophy and you feed one another. So being around people, having crucial conversations, critical discussions, thinking about what can be and what should be for our future is oddly enough, that's where I get my energy. Right. I don't have a whole lot of hobbies per se. I do enjoy collecting things like coins and bobbleheads and things right. like that. But honestly, I love thinking about stuff and right. reading and learning and and being a continual learner, as my grandfather always told me to be. Right. Um, I had a very close relationship with my grandfather. We called him Paul Pete. And it's so much so, Tim, that my children never met. I mean, my grandfather passed away before Amber and I got married. Right. And my children talk as if they knew Paul Pete. Wow, that lasting um, impact. That lasting impact. And all of us grandkids mm. had this amazing impact on us from our grandfather. And my grandfather would literally give you every dollar he had in his wallet and every piece of clothing he had on his body if it meant that it was going to help you. And that's just how he, you know, so I spent a significant amount of time with him growing up and, you know, be like, Paul Pete, where are we going now? Well, you know, why'd you buy a third lunch? It was just you and I. Oh, well, I'm going to take a lunch down to my friend Jim because I heard he's working, you know, and this was a lot of time I spent with him on our family farm in Grant County. And I think that just hardworking nature of him and always wanting to serve people. Yeah. Somehow, me and both of my sisters were all that way. We love so serving people. And certainly my parents are the same. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law are the same. Somehow, God's put me in this world around people who inspire me to do more. Mike, I think that's something I want to probe on a little bit because I see that as a common people who I think you remind me of a lot, that this faith shines through. Mm. When you meet you, it just oozes out of you, and it's infectious and contagious. You remind me of folks like a Larry Tibbs or a, a Ken Weininger or a Nate Salee or and with those folks, when I talk to them, one of the common denominators that I've just connected is there's been someone in their life, and whether it's a grandfather, father, family, who early on made that imprint mm. and impacted faith. So I want to probe on that a little bit more deeply if we can. Yeah, so absolutely. 
Talk to me more about how that faith has helped guide you in your everyday work and that influence, again, from your father and your grandfather. Because I think that's a really important piece of who you are. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up, I say jokingly, but like my dad has rituals, right? Mm -hmm. And he's always had rituals. And those rituals are get up at 4 to 4.15, exercise. You know, we joke he's the modern-day Chuck Norris. Um, (laughs) And get up, exercise, and spends time, deep, intense time in Scripture. So if you walk into my dad's office anytime before 6.30, he has two Bibles out. He doesn't just have one, which I always find interesting. And he has a group of leaders in this community that still to this day, he emails every morning Scripture and a little prayer that he wrote for people. Really? So I have, if you look at my inbox every day, I get, you know, July 4th, August 23rd, December 21st, and scripture that my dad provides out to. I don't know how many people, but I know it's a significant amount. And and it's scripture Um, that means something to him, something he's learned that day? Yes. Wow. Yes, that day and calling us to live and be Christ-like in the, the world that we live in. And my grandfather was very similar, you know, a churchgoer, and I saw the what I would consider the gospel of Jesus lived out in these two men's lives their entire life. And it's been a grounding, you know, not that we all, even when I wrestle with anxiety or, you know, many people say that entrepreneurs and type A's carry lots of anxiety, lots of burden. One of our podcast guests defined it as a backpack. You know, a lot of people carry this heavy backpack on them because they feel like they're carrying the world around them. So that whole piece is kind of where I find my calm. I also had the distinct pleasure of being introduced to a good friend and pastor up in Queens, New York many years ago named Pete Scazzaro, and he talks about the emotionally healthy leader. And it really struck me that in order to be the best version of yourself, you've got to be understanding and accepting of your past, but know that God didn't say that's going to define your future, right? So, you know, I came from a great past. Not everybody did, but all of us know that our future can be determined by what could be, not what is. And how can I change? You know, it's what led to some of the work that we're doing right now with the podcast of what can I do there? How can I change? You know, I used to do, people think I love speaking in front of people. Like people think that, oh, Sipple can moderate that or Sipple can go speak to this. And just a few years ago, I had the opportunity, my assistant, Christine Lewis, took a call in our office and it was my old baseball coach at Holmes High School, yeah. Dave Hartman. Oh, I know and, Dave. Um, and Dave was asking Chris if he could speak to me. And I was in a meeting. I was like, Coach Hartman's calling, you know, now he's the principal and he's yeah. at Holmes. And he was asking me to speak at commencement. Nice. And that moment in my life, which was just three, four years ago, was a moment that I finally recognized that when you're asked to speak, I put you there, meaning the Lord gave you that. I gave you that opportunity. This is your moment to basically like, yes, you should say yes. I was as nervous as could be to say yes to Coach Hartman on this particular topic. Um, why do you think you were so nervous? Well, because why me? Yeah. Like, why in the world are you asking me to speak really? to this audience? Like, it makes no, it doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> and then as I reflected on that and really kind of judged that ask, uh-huh. it was like, well, 
maybe it's supposed to be me. I had an amazing experience at Holmes High School. I had amazing teachers back to people in our past help form us. I had teachers that helped form us, helped sure. form me. And, you know, and now might be my time. So viewing being able to speak in public or sitting in a meeting as an opportunity, right. not as something that I should be fearful of, really changed it to where now I still do say no occasionally, but it's mostly because of schedule or commitment, right. not because of fear of man. Interesting. And um, I wouldn't have thought that. I mean, again, yeah. just knowing you. Yeah. And it's something that even like when I go into a meeting, you know, I've very blessed to work with companies all over the country. Right. And I tend to either sit on a plane or sit in my car and say a quick prayer that you put me here in this meeting for a reason. Let this meeting happen. So not overanalyzing, overthinking. You put me in front of this crowd. Let me go in front of this crowd and motivate them and give them energy and and help them with whatever I might say that's thought out and planned. But, you know, let's take this opportunity on. See, but I also think, Mike, that it's also the opposite of that, that you also don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people take for granted opportunities and they just show up to meetings. One of the things that impresses me about you is you come prepared. Mm. I mean, I've seen you on boards. I've been on boards and groups with you, and you're always actively engaged to a point where you're there to learn, to listen, and to participate. Mm-hmm. So I think hearing that about you, that you don't take these opportunities for granted. So for you, the opposite, you're not overthinking it as well mm-hmm. and talking yourself out of the opportunity, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I think we're all, I learned this from being, sitting in a room of board members when you look around the table and go, why am I here? Like, look at these incredible leaders that are put on, I mean, what are they going to gain from me? Is one way to look at it, right? And I think... When you look at board engagement or committee engagement, it's what keeps people from speaking up. And I had that turned around on me several years back that like, well, you're here for a reason. You were invited for a reason, whatever reason, whatever prompting, and we need to serve well in that reason. And that's what I feel God's called me to do and to be loving and to be caring and to be empathetic and to not judge, but to be there and be active and help people as we go through these life experiences together. When I think in the board roles, I want to come back to a little bit because you are on so many. And I think you've touched on why it's important to be involved and get involved in these boards. And I also want to talk about because you're such a community activist, if you will, in things that are important to you, that how do you balance that between work, family, in life, it gets into your purpose, mm-hmm. but also what advice, mm-hmm. what have you learned from this on how you balance all of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. So one, it took learning. You know, I kind of view this as like my second round on boards because my first one, I really wore myself out and spread myself really thin. Mm. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine, Todd Feaster, who's been on our podcast. Several years back, I was on a board that I loved and the organization today I still love. I was asked to be the board chair, and I said yes. You know, the right people asked, and I said yes. 
I remember calling Todd and saying, Todd, I've got three young kids that are going to be really active. And one of the things that happens with young, and we've got to be sensitive to this as we ask younger board members, is we need to consider their life and their journey where they are now. And I think we need to be a little bit more empathetic to that, that you know maybe now is not the right time because this person just had their second child or their first child or they're getting ready to get married or they just got promoted. I had a few of those things happen at the same time, right? So I had three young kids. I was getting ready to get promoted as president of our business. And I had a mentor of mine, Gene Lauterbach, really challenge me on my time. Like this promotion is serious. Mm. Don't take this promotion for granted. Your role's going to change. Your responsibilities are going to change. Your time's going to change. And you really need to think about the things that you're doing and do you have the margin? So that's from a volunteer standpoint, is really thinking through that, do I have the margin? Sometimes it's absolutely cause-related. You know, I've been asked to serve here, and I feel so compelled, but now I check with others and don't just say yes. Right. And one of those others, of course, is my wife. Sure. And most of the time, she encouraged me to say, no, not right now. You don't have to say no, but no, not right now. That's great advice. And then she recently shared, I was asked to serve on the board of the African-American Chamber, and her response was, you need to say yes to this. Yeah. You know, this is an opportunity with our community and with your beliefs and your love of people that, like, this is a unique opportunity for you to say yes to, and they came to you. And you, that know, had to be, you had to be honored. You should consider, felt very honored. Again, one of those moments of why me? Yes. And then, well because of who you are, right? right? And, you know, this other dynamic is encouraging people to involve your children as much as possible, involve your spouse as much as possible. I met a lot of people in the summer of 2015 when we were tackling the world, it felt like, with the All-Star Game and the activity back in 2015. And that was a crazy summer. That was a crazy year. But to be frank, I took my kids on some really cool experiences Uh Amber and I were there together at almost every experience. I got to involve and be around a ton of friends who like were, heck yeah, we're doing this. You know, let's create this thing called baseball across the region and let's create 60 plus stops and let's try to touch as many communities in the market as possible. You know, I got to take my kids to communities they had never been in before. Mm -hmm. And we got to meet people in those communities and we got to shake the hand of police officers and residents and community leaders. So I would also encourage all of us to stop doing board roles and committee work and community work by yourself. Yeah. You know, involve your friends, involve your kids, involve your spouse or significant other. And again, I mentioned earlier, be thoughtful about what you say yes to because guess what happens to me and our business? We love working with people who think bigger. Uh Think about, we love working with businesses who view themselves in the field of mission or the field of changing the world. And I happen to manufacture widgets, some really cool widgets, and we do a lot of them. But my real purpose is I employ 136 people and I have 3,000 or 30,000 customers, or I'm making food and I employ 400,000 people. But the bigger purpose is how can we go after hunger and how can we Mm -hmm. challenge community equity? And so serve with people, not just organizations, but serve with people who have similar interests. Sure. Finding out their why. similar passions and why. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think again, back to involving your family and so on, one of the things that I think that you're doing and, and advice I heard recently about the importance of making memories. You're doing the same thing your grandfather did with you or your father has done with you and, mm. and making memories for your own children that that's going to stick mm. and help evolve who they are as they grow. Mm. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the Talent Magnet Institute in reading and in knowing and learning more about the Talent Magnet Institute. In your literature, it says you're designed to help leaders succeed in relationships, work, community, and life. Reframing success in leadership. Talk to me about what this means to you to help leaders succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, and then this reframing success in leadership, yeah. if you would. Yeah. So, Tim, one of the benefits of being in the executive search business and working with executives all over the world, working and to be frank, I always mention one of the benefits of being in Cincinnati is we're a global economy. I have clients and from 16 different countries, and almost all of them have some tie back to Cincinnati originally. When I say that, I've interacted with thousands of leaders and I've grown up, again, my father's very purpose-driven. All of our team members that are at Centennial are extremely purpose-driven. And my dad in particular has a passion for mentoring men and male leaders and the impact they have on their families, not just their work life. Right. Right. So for us, as a big part of this mission, like really our goal is to serve people, to help people, to help businesses, to help individuals. When we start getting into this helping individuals succeed, it's more than just work, right? We don't want to be an organization that just helps businesses make more money, be more productive, more efficient, reduce turnover. We really want to help the people in those organizations be healthier, mm -hmm. right? So our belief is, is if we can change an organization's team to be healthier, to have better interactions, to interact in a more positive way, to feel like they're serving one another and helping one another versus at distinct opposites and having a, a negative culture, have a positive culture, that will transcend to create a healthier organization. Absolutely. Because the people in the organization will feel it. They yep. will feel the impact of our leaders actually enjoy working with one another, partnering, engaging with one another. They're more inclusive. They're more thoughtful. So the belief is that that goes beyond just work, right? That helps with relationships. If you have healthy relationships – you're going to have a healthier life and you'll have a healthier workplace. If you have an unhealthy relationship, everybody's going to feel it. You're not going to hide it from anybody. Right. You may think you're hiding it from people, but you're not. Right. Our also belief that when you have a healthier team, you have a healthier organization, you start creating a healthier community because those individuals who work for you, who work for us, go home. They serve. They have a church. They have a nonprofit. They have a neighborhood they live in. And if they're unhappy at work, that unhappiness is going to show up in their community and in their personal life. So if you look at Centennial, we've always talked about connecting leaders with the right resources to improve their businesses, careers, and personal lives. Yep. That's really a big part of our purpose. Yep. And if you talk to some of our longest standing clients, they'll tell you that we're one of their best friends. Yeah. Right. And similarly with the Talent Magnet Institute, when we look at relationships, work, community, and life, to us, 
you need to succeed in all four. Yeah. And to the secondary tagline of reframing success and leadership means that we're not just going to have a podcast and we're not just going to have a business, an organization with people that focus on work. We're going to talk about other stuff and we're going to get personal and we're going to talk about failures and we're going to talk about successes and we're going to talk about all people, not just certain groups of people who would be invited to a podcast. We're right. going to look at our, as an employer, how can I serve all people I work with, not just those in the front office or those who own the business? So a lot of thought has went into this as it relates to inclusion. You know, how do we be very inclusive in those that we reach, those that we serve, and also how do we be inclusive on a whole you? What does a whole you look like? What do I need to be successful in life, not just my workplace. And, you know, so many times we think about, you know, I talk about this a lot. We design strategies to help improve our careers and to invest in our professional life, but we don't invest in our personal lives. And I hope that part of the work that the Talent Magnet Institute is known for and will be more broadly known for is helping people feel like they're a better version of them and they're a better servant to the people around them, whatever that looks like, and that families succeed in that, that people go home and are happier and have more time to invest in their children or their spouse or significant other, that they care about their neighbor, that they actually go, you know what, I'm going to invite our neighbor to dinner because of this podcast I listen to. You know, I'm going to look at who my kids hang out with, and I'm going to think about how I can encourage my kids to be more inclusive, whether I say that word or not, that I make sure that we're on diverse teams and we're looking at how do we, what community are we going out and hanging out in? Where are we serving? Again, reframing success and leadership basically says we believe that what success looks like to quote unquote professionals is broken. Yeah. And I think that transcends. And this is one of the things I admire about what you've done, not only through the podcast, but about your approach that transcends. This isn't just about for-profit companies. This is true in the nonprofit world. It's definitely true in school and education. That's a big part of my background. I've learned a lot about business over the last 10 years. And after I retired from Kenton County, But the number one factor regarding the success in schools is the quality of the teacher in the classroom. Mm -hmm. But the quality of the teacher in the classroom is impacted most greatly by the leader in the school. That's right. Who sets the tone. There's a lot of research. I'm part of the National Institute for School Leadership. And there's a lot of research internationally on exactly what you just talked about. Mm -hmm. And it comes back to it's not just about knowing your craft, it really is about who you are as a person, as a leader. That's right. And we've got to feed that and take care of that. So, and therefore, I want to talk about the podcast and again, back to the genesis of the why, but from someone who has watched what's happened in the last year and listened to, you haven't just brought in some of the top for-profit leaders in our region. I mean, you had Amanda Greenwell on from United Way. You've had Charmelee Reddy. You've had folks who it transcends across for-profit, non-profit, education. And it seems like there's a wide mix of personalities, Mm -hmm. but also of journeys and stories to their why. Can you talk more about the podcast and again, congratulations on your anniversary. It's exciting. Yeah. 
not only the why, but what you've learned by doing this yeah. in the last year. So part of the approach to the invitations of who we invite to participate is based on our experience with those individuals and our view of them leading well. Interesting. Right? Yeah. So there's a curation process that goes into who we ask to be invited in. And that process is also trying to be very intentional to pull from all walks of life, right? And whether it's a nonprofit leader that used to be in for-profit or someone who's in, we've done lots around education, early right. childhood because yep. of how profound. I mean, I sit back when you look at the interview that we did with Mehmet Yuxik. Uh-huh. Again, he's an executive who moved to the America from Istanbul, has lots of global experience, an incredible leader in episode seven. But in that episode, he talked about a teacher who encouraged him to look at the world more broadly, right? So that shows that that teacher is that's the kind of leader we want to talk to. Exactly. Right? That see potential. So so many of our guests, you know, Crystal Kendrick, who's now a very successful entrepreneur, right. was encouraged when she worked in an automotive manufacturing company and customer service to think more broadly by the executive running that business unit. She talks about that in episode 10. So every leader, Shaquille Ahmed, I speak a lot about in episode three, has had a profound impact on my life. She's now, the at the time of the interview, is the board chair of the Islamic Center. You know, she's been deeply involved in the work of our community, bringing interfaith religions together to basically, like, realize that we're all similar. We may have different beliefs, but, you know, so one of my contacts and mentors in this world as a believing Christian is someone who's a leader in the Islamic faith. Right. And there's a lot I can learn from her. Mm-hmm. So we've been very intentional of curating the list of who we're inviting and knowing that we can draw out some of these stories. You know, the one rule is I need to know you to interview you, Yeah, right? We've had lots of people who have reached out, and I think that's normal in the podcast world that, you know, when you build an audience, people come. A lot of the people who come are asking to be on your podcast, and if I don't know you, I can't interview you. Because I need to understand yeah. what really drives you, how you really think, and oh, by the way, what others would say about you in the marketplace, mm. right? So what's your reputation uh-huh. as a leader? And that doesn't always mean that it's all positive because sure. sometimes a great leader has to disrupt something and you know you can't pull all of your friends, but we need to be able to see that people are following your leadership right. in order to be invited to participate. Yeah. I do want to touch on a couple of things, Mike, that I know are near and dear to your heart. I really wanted you to talk to us about All Pro Dads. That's something you invited me to an All Pro Dads mm-hmm. when I was doing some work with a couple of the principals in the Campbell County Schools, and we went to River Ridge. And I knew about it, but to experience it firsthand mm-hmm. was uh, spiritual. And the crowd, the emotion mm-hmm. that to see in these fathers as they spoke about their kids, Mm. uh, in front of their kids. Mm. What drove you to get involved in All Pro Dads and what drives you now to help continue to take that to the next level? Yeah. So like we referenced earlier, there's always a story. (laughs) And this one is deeply personal, deeply personal. So I mentioned earlier, my mother grew up in a broken home. So my mother grew up in a broken home. Her 
sister grew up in a broken home. Her brother grew up in a broken home. And that experience, to be frank, is what really drives me. Really, yeah. Because I have seen three amazing adults come from that situation. My aunt, my uncle, all of us cousins are like, how in the world were we saved? And And I say- And me, grew up in a broken home. And I say, but God, like it's the only way you could ever get out of this particular situation, right? So alcoholism, abuse. I mean, my mom told us stories as young kids, not to scare us, but to say, here's where I came from. Like, I didn't know at night whether I was going to have a gun pointed at me, who Mm. was going to show up in the house. And we were, us kids are so close, us, you know, my mom and her brother and sister, because we protected one another. Exactly. Like it was legitimate protection. Right. My mom gives a lot of credit to Covington Independent Schools. You know, the principals and the leaders and the band captain, you know, people who were in the school that knew her circumstances and looked after her, right? So my mom also is a big, we got to celebrate every birthday for every person in the family. My mom's birthdays were not celebrated at all until she met my dad and his parents had an actual birthday celebration with the birthday cake and friends and all of that. So one of the things that I've experienced for my mom is you're always going to know I love you and you're always going to know I'm proud of you. And again, I grew up my mom was a stay-at-home mom for many years. She's also worked for Centennial for 38 years and been one of the leaders. She's one of my board of directors in our family business. But she always made parenting personal yeah. and very intentional. So I have so many amazing memories. And most people who grew up around our family know that. Like they know the love my mom had for him. I happen to have a mother-in-law who's the same way, you know, who's cared for kids at homes who's taken in homeless kids and had them have a safe place. And so when I was introduced to All Pro Dad, a buddy of mine, Duran Alexander, called me and said, hey, do you want to take Jacob? I only had Jacob at the time, and I'm going to take Austin and Malia, and let's go to this thing called All Pro Dad. They're doing this father-kid experience at the Cincinnati Bengals Stadium, the Paul Brown Stadium. And I was like, sure. It was free, went down, and it was basically an experience set up with men and the children that they parent or grandparent doesn't have to be straight fathers. Right. We have lots of, I mean, we've had reconciliations of dads and stepdads happen at all pro dad chapters. It's yeah. been so powerful. Lots of grandparents are raising kids today. Yes. And we got lots of grandfathers who are our biggest advocates, right? Mm-hmm. Who make all of us middle-aged men cry because of the stories they tell. So I met all pro dad through a father kid experience that they do around the country. That's their like big community outreach and fell in love with the content, right? Fell in love with they're really just helping men be better men, Yes, you know, helping men show up, right? If we can get more men to show up, no matter what your thoughts are on marriages and around, if we would get more men who would show up and express appreciation and love for their kids, I believe that's another key component to changing the world around us. So that whole personal experience and happy to go deeper, but that when I found this organization that all they're doing is trying to save the world and get more men showing up, I was all in. Yeah. So this was before Jacob went into public school, went into school, any school, but as products of public school, our kids were going to public school and we approached the school leadership. In fact, my cousin works at River Ridge 
and had made Jill Diltz and had made school leadership aware that Mike and Amber Sipple are getting ready to show up at River Ridge. <laughs> and I think you should ask them how to get involved. So we met our awesome family resource coordinator, Debbie Ladani, and another friend of mine, Brent Dagenhart. He and I and a gentleman by the name of Travis Kidman approached our school. Like, we'd love to do this. We'd love to do this program called All Pro Dads. And that began my journey with All Pro Dads physically hosting a site at our kids' school. Very quickly realized that this isn't the only school in the area that we can impact. Right. Brent and I had the opportunity. All Pro Dad invites all of their team captains to an annual retreat that is an amazing experience at a place called Windshape in Rome, Georgia on the campus of the largest college campus in North America, in Rome, Georgia. And I'll pull up the name of that school in just a second. And that was our experience to really find out, like there are men all over the country who are sold out for fatherhood. Barry College, Barry College sits on the largest college campus in the country. Not the largest school, but the largest campus. And so Brent and I were the minority at that retreat right? And just amazing men, all walks of life from around the country who are just invested in fatherhood. And how can I serve my community? How can I serve my own family? But how can I also enlist, you know, at a chapter meeting at River Ridge, we'll have 140 people there, 160 people Oh, yeah, there. I've seen it. And that had to be just an incredible experience at Barry. An amazing experience. Yeah, a yeah. life-changing for you? A life-changing experience. So Windshape, All Pro Dads hosts a this event at Windshape every year for team captains. It's partially underwritten by the Kathy family, Kathy Foundation. They own this retreat center called Windshape. Okay. And I had heard about it from owner-operators that I know that are a part of Chick-fil-A, the Chick-fil-A system, that have gone here. And again, all pro dads, we'd go to a retreat and they feed into us as much as we feed into them, right? So there's, yes, there's some strategy work at this thing, but they're investing in our relationships. Sure. So what can we do and how can we find relaxation and chill out a little bit? Because you guys are serving all these chapters all over the country. Brent and I were asked to serve as regional team captains. At that time, we had about 12 to 13 chapters in the greater Cincinnati area. Right now, we're sitting at around 35 chapters in greater Cincinnati. So we've helped launch chapters all over the city, including Campbell County, yes. with the principal that you had join us that day. Mr. Maisie. Mr. Tony Maisie. Maisie, I'll give a shout out. Yes. Thank you, Tony, for joining this experience. And honestly, we've had friends of Centennial start chapters at their kids' schools because right. they've heard about the support that Centennial's been providing to all pro dads. We've had that happen with clients of ours. We had a CFO that we used to work with that started a chapter in Sycamore Township. And that chapter still goes on today. His kids are out of that school, but that chapter still lives on. So our goal is to create more chapters. Yeah. And if you're a grandparent or a parent, you can start an all pro dad chapter. If someone is listening and interested, I cannot say enough about it. Are you in Ludlow yet? Ludlow schools? Not yet, but we're well, working with Borchers on that. There you and go. he's been very supportive well, for the you, following school year. And as you probably know, my uh, that's where my son moved a year and a half ago. And my granddaughter will be starting school there next year. And okay. great relationship with both the principals in that school. So it's, awesome. again, somebody like myself who would love to help get something like that going. Because I've seen it. I've experienced it. I know it's not only life-changing, I think, for the children 
I've seen it. I've seen the kids beam mm-hmm. as their father, their grandparent, the meaningful adult in their life, ongoing, has incredible things to say and experience the ongoing with the, but it's also for that adult. Oh, absolutely. We just So if someone is interested, how could they get involved? Yeah. So if you go, and we'll put this in the show notes as well, Tim, if you go to allprodadsday.com, you can learn more about is there a chapter in your area? How to start a chapter? Um, you can certainly contact me. I'm happy to connect you with resources, but allprodadsday.com. Okay. The other thing, just for our listeners that are wondering, so what is it? What yeah, is it, right? Exactly. So it's basically a turnkey system to go in and do more than just sit down and have a meal with a child. But basically, for the first 15 to 20 minutes of every chapter that goes on at the time of this recording, there's 1,292 chapters across the country. So no matter where you're listening to this, you can start a chapter. We have chapters in 44 states. We'd certainly love to hit all 50. You go in and basically share why you're proud of the child that you brought with you, right? And you don't have to stand up, but if you do, it'll be a life-changing experience for you, the adult. So whatever child you're mentoring or you view that you're helping parent in some way, you bring that child to their school, you share publicly a public affirmation of why I'm proud of you. And there's probably some of you listening, like my mother, who were never told that by my parent, right? And gosh, it eats me up. And I wish I could. Well, you have an opportunity to change that, right? Like my mom invested in me by telling me that she loved me and she was proud of me and she cared for me. And I knew she didn't have that. That's what motivates me to do this. I'm getting an opportunity to encourage 35 schools. Hopefully it'll hit 50 by the next school year for adults to share why they're proud of the kids that are in their lives, right? Um, That's the profound. I mean, you will have grown men from 83-year-old, 70-year-old grandfathers or great-grandfathers that show up to 26-year-old or 19-year-old grown adults in tears sharing why they're proud of the kids that they bring with them. And and again, I've experienced it firsthand. Are you in Marymount schools yet? Um, We are not. That's where my grandsons go. And you know my daughter, Chris. I do. So we'll we'll work on that. We'll We'll make that a mission as well, Mike. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. Um, And then there's also other content. Usually there's a quick video that's shared or some discussion cards. And these discussion cards, so think about having the opportunity to sit across from your child or grandchild or stepchildren or nieces and nephews and talking about who do you trust? What's it like to be honest in the workplace? And how can I be a better friend in school? How are you a better friend in your workplace? You know, like the kids are asking you a couple questions that look very basic. And you're asking them a couple questions that's giving them knowledge from you, the adult, of who they can trust, what they should believe, how they should act, how they should respond. But they're also checking us, the adults. Right. You know, when was the last time you did this? Or how do you respond? If you could be a superhero, what would that skill look like? They may want to be Batman or Wonder Woman. And you may say, I want to be like my dad was, right? He was my superhero. Think about that conversation that happens. And there can be other content and material. But at the end of the day, the I'm proud of you exercise to me is what changed lives and why I'm in it to win it. And I look at schools and say, you know what, if we just had more parents showing up and more kids who had the confidence that they had people backing them up in a good, positive way, 
we could change the world, huh. right? And this is for every district, whether it's private school, homeschool, public school, no matter what the demographics of your school, every child needs an adult to show up and say that they're proud of them. And Mike, you know, as a, as a former school principal, school superintendent, for the schools listening out there and school leaders or teachers or parents in a community, I cannot emphasize enough how important I think this program is. We need this more today than ever. The basic questions you were talking about turn into profound discussions mm-hmm. and got to see it again and hear that firsthand. So again, I thank you for your leadership in this area. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I have to thank also, Tim, as yourself as a retired administrator and the administrators, you mentioned that school leadership, the quality of a teacher in the classroom is all about the leadership they have in their schools. And I thank all the principals who encourage this, all of the family resource coordinators or the school counselors that back up a program like this. We're here to serve you. This program is also intended to help you as school leaders make an impact on your community. Right. 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 And again, back to the Talent Magnet Institute, why talk about it? Because it impacts relationships, work, and community and life. Yeah. So a couple other questions. 10 years from now, what would you like to see for our community, for your family, and for yourself as you look into the future? Well, 10 years from now, my children will be 21, 19, and 17. Mm -hmm. So I uh, pray for them and the kids that they're around that they have a really successful experience in education and that they pick their desired career path, right? Just because today I own a family business and I'm a second generation, my hope is they find what they were built for and designed for and go after it in full force. I pray that my, you know, at that time, my wife and I, 10 years from now, we just celebrated our 15th anniversary. We'll be celebrating our 25th. And I hope that I'm as excited at 25 as I am at 15 for the future of our marriage and what we together can do and how close the two of us are. Mm -hmm. Our company, I hope our company is known for loving people well, serving people, helping people, helping businesses, and whatever that might look like that the Talent Magnet Institute has made a mark and that tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are looking to us to get guidance on how to lead well. I also hope that relationships like yourself and others that have leaned into this work are prosperous and their families are prosperous and that lives are continuing to be changed by all of these incredible people that I've had the opportunity and blessing to be surrounded by. That's nice. I appreciate that. We flipped the mic today. Is there anything? I'm a novice at this. You're the master. (laughs) No, Um, no, no. So is there anything I should have asked you today, Mike, that you would want listeners to know either about yourself, the business, about you that you want to share? Tim, you've done a great job. Well, thanks. You are, I feel like you're an expert. (laughs) This has been a great experience. No, I mean, I think the opportunity to learn how to serve well, how to lead well, let's all keep it up. You know, let's keep it up. Let's share feedback. I think the one thing I hope that continues is the our firm is trying to create more engagement around the podcast. Right. I get, you know, like today I had a great email from a client of mine about the podcast episode he listened to recently. I was in a meeting last week and a leader, she came up and shared how 
impactful this one topic that we covered on our podcast was and how she's now starting to talk about that with her team nice. and has even brought it up to her spouse. I want that to continue. You know, we want this effort to be not about us, but about those that it reaches. Right. And, and oh, by the way, and sometimes these episodes reach me right. um, as right. well on the other side of the mic. So let's continue to learn together. Let's continue to grow together and know that someone's always watching. That's good. And let's lead that way. Wonderful. Well, Mike, again, this means a lot to me. I'm so honored to be able to be the one to have this opportunity to flip the mic. My hope is that you continue to just keep doing what you're doing. You're walking the walk on this journey of faith as you lead. And I will tell you, it's inspirational. I'm an old guy and you inspire me. Hmm. So I just admire you and appreciate you. Tim, thank you so much for this opportunity. And please know how much you've impacted my life and the way that I lead. That's wonderful. Thank you. When you lead a team or an organization that have countless responsibilities to attend to, it's easy to forget about taking care of yourself. There are three pillars of personal care that will make you a better leader. Find out what they are and how to work them into your busy schedule at talentmagnetinstitute.com slash lead well. That's talentmagnetinstitute.com slash lead well. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.